is going on everybody welcome in to another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous thursday november 30th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today you know it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood and i am exhausted being nice to uh investors asking about our deal you know the deal of the spotlight spotlight deal my goodness it's been crazy yeah, it's it, it's tiring doing your job the world who would have who would have thought um so um, we appreciate um Stu, you nonetheless putting together a crazy and good lineup for us today first up on the menu dwindling copper supply from panama and peru could wipe out global surplus in 2024 this next one <laughs> creeps me out cold weather prompts national grid to activate energy blackout scheme oh that's nice this next one <laughs> this will just make you laugh. Royal Caribbean takes delivery of LNG powered giant in Finland. I've got a lot to say about this one. And then finally, probably the spookiest of all the stories, UAE officially stops using a dollar for oil trades. <laughs> Not good. Stu will dive into what's going on over there. He'll toss it over to me. I'll quickly cover what happened in the oil and gas finance space, cover what's going on in, in Venezuela, an interesting little border dispute there with Guyana, which I think has some long-term effects on supply. And then always we'll touch on what the EIA said the crude oil inventory numbers were. And then we'll let you get on out of here and start your day. Before we do all that, guys, remember, as always, the stories and analysis you are about to hear is brought to you by the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy news. Stu and the team do a tremendous job of making sure that website stays up to speed with everything you need to know to be at the tip of the spear when it comes to the energy business. Um, you can ch uh, check out the description below, see all of the timestamps and links to all of the articles. You can also email the show questions at energynewsbeat.com. Connect with Stu and I on LinkedIn. Follow the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at Energy Newsbeat on YouTube. Great way to support the show there. You can also check out dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and news combo. We're really working. I'm going to push that product hard early 2024. I'm going to breath those two. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start down in South America. Dwindling uh, copper supply from Panama and Peru could wipe out global surplus in 2024. Michael, if you think Biden uh, is worried about his next meal uh, he or his next ice cream cone, he's going to be really worried if he's trying to do anything uh, about his EVs because copper, you got to have copper. And you got to have a lot of copper for the grid and getting those updates. Okay, here it is. Reduced supply from major producers in Panama and Peru may just totally wipe out the market. Panama's top court Tuesday ruled that the Canadian miner first quantum's contract to operate Cobre Panama mine is unconstitutional. Rutro, while a union representing half the workers at Peru's Las Bombas mine went on strike. This is nuts. If the Cobre Panama mine were to be permanently shut, the market could move into deficit in 2024. Listen to these numbers. 
right now uh, in Panama's, uh, if it's out of production until May, when the president election goes on in May of 2024, 40,000 tons of copper this year and 160,000 tons next year. That's nuts. It's an absolute, it's a lot. Now, I do think, and, and the article does go on to say that if that does happen, where it's only out of operation until May of 2024, it would only result in a small deficit this year, but the market would be able to absorb that loss next year and we'd be in a slight small surplus. So this could, again, this is just going to support prices. We saw benchmark copper on the the LME, which is the London Metal Exchange. That was up about 1.5 percentage points to about $8,480 per metric ton. And that forecast, that's on a forecasted oversupply of 302 thousand tons of copper in 2024. So as that number shrinks, as that forecast oversupply shrinks, then we're going to see that price rise. So could be interesting. Again, when we when we talk about the grid, we need to think it second order effects. What's all the stuff that goes into the grid in order to keep it operational? We need to make sure those things are up. So not good for the the, the overall electricity market, considering this next story we're about to cover, Stu, national grid's going to, we're going to start burning shoes. Oh, yeah. And and eating them just because we, you know, never mind. Cold weather prompts national grid to activate energy blackout scheme. Uh, national grid's in the UK. And I, I think that this is absolutely hilarious from the standpoint our forecasts show Electricity supply margins are expected to be tighter than normal on Wednesday evening. It does not mean electricity supplies are at risk and people should not be worried. Right. Right. Precautionary measures to maintain the buffer of spare capacity. Why do they have problems? More than 1.6 million households and businesses have been involved in this because of Europe's gas squeeze. And then all of the wind farm, wind farm problems that they've had. The scheme, instead, they're urged to shut down their appliances and wash machines. And the scheme is to save more than 3,000 megawatts of electricity across 22 activations. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're not going to Kensington Palace and asking uh, the queen to turn down her le- or uh, turn off some of her lights. You mean the king? King, whatever. Who who cares? Yeah. King, queen. It might as well be you, Stu. Ah, well, no, I'm too ugly. I don't think you want to be the king. I think he's in play. He's got some stuff up his sleeve. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm it's not. It's Andrew, right? Yeah. The guy, um, who was, the guy who's affiliated with Epstein? Uh, oh, uh, no. Uh, that's actually somebody else. But we'll oh, just it's a different him. one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave the royals. He's, uh, he's just as creepy, but we'll leave the royals alone. Speaking of royals. They're not asking him to turn off the lights, though. Oh, no. Speaking of Royals, let's go to Royal Caribbean takes delivery of LNG power plant in uh, power giant in Finland. Michael, you were kind of funny when we were chit chatting about the show ahead of time. A unit of Royal Caribbean. This is Royal Caribbean International. I just did my podcast with Sean Strawbridge and we were talking about the LNG gigantic cargo ships that are being rolled out from uh, China and they're already bought. These things were bigger than the Empire State Building. Now, this is fantastic news because it is less carbon footprint than just about anything else they can. This is 365 meters long uh, icon of the seas. Um, it is just amazing. The first cruise line that can be powered by LNG. 
Now, I did not know this, Michael. You're limited on where you can fill these bad dogs up. You just don't drive up and go ding, ding, you know, across the little uh, airline uh, on the floor uh, on a uh, gas station. You used to have the guys run out and fill you up. No, nobody's going to be in a monkey suit standing there to fill you up on this thing. You got to go to where there's LNG. And Sean Strawbridge was really apt to say, hey, we're years away from this. So this could be limiting in the ports of call that you could go to with this bad dog. Well, two things. One, I hate cruises, so I'm going to be completely skewed on this. I think people that takes cruises are bums, to be honest with you. And I apologize if you do take cruises, but not a fan of cruises. Okay. (laughs) Second off, I do find it hilarious. Royal Caribbean, the place where probably the most amount of emissions The amount of food that gets eaten on a cruise is disgusting. You walk by all of those buffets. It's just seven day old hot dogs. The nice part is now that it's LNG powered and we're quote unquote net zero, you can actually eat those hot dogs and it won't cause an uptick in carbon. So thank you, Royal Caribbean, for keeping us net zero by allowing us to take down more of your disgusting hot dog thing. I I have to I hate cruises, Stu. So I, I will not be trying this new LNG powered icon of the seas. I forget. I went on a, it was a Royal Caribbean cruise. I went on. I think it was, it was tradition of the seas. It was one of the, of the seas brand. Oh, horrible. I hate it. I guarantee you, you went on the Disney Royal Caribbean. No, no and they, trust. No. If it was a Disney cruise, I wouldn't have come back because I would have jumped off and you'd have just left me at sea. Oh yeah. Cause they, I could see the kids running up to you and going, Mickey. They're thinking, oh, yeah, if Mickey, Mickey was making me pancake. Ooh, I'm oh. good. <laughs> Wait, let's go to the UAE. Um, uh, UAE stops buying, uh, using the petrodollar, the US dollar for oil trades. Dude, this is about as big disastrous. as it gets. You know, it's you, disastrous. It is. Uh, you and I have been on uh, the story for bricks for a long time. And the UAE just gave the double barrel finger to the Biden administration with this move. The BRICS, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, they expanded it to the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, and Argentina. And you're going to see a major demise of the U.S. dollar. Who's going to buy our debt when the U.S. petrodollar is not being used? You just had, Michael, we covered on the podcast last week, Russia and China also shifting and exchanging $3 billion worth of their gold currency in order to make more trades. Wow. Okay. This gets even uglier. Coming down into here, the new era in uh, global oil trade. This is just absolutely, this isn't about diversifying trade. Mm. It's about making a statement on the global stage. That's exactly what the quote out of the article was. And, And they are dead on right. The UAE and Saudi Arabia have every right to give the United States the double finger the way we've treated them. It's it, it, it's true. I don't want to be a shill for, for Saudi Arabia or the UAE, but they're doing what's in the best interest of their country. So you can't knock. I mean, if, if I was if if I was you know running UAE or running Saudi, I'd be doing the same thing, Stu. So I can't sit here and, and blame them. If, if you're the United States, this isn't good. As you mentioned, this is going to cause a huge strain financially on us long term. This is what we call long. And I'm listening to a book on the 2008 financial crisis. This guy named Thomas Ha. Uh, Haunting, who was one of the few guys that dissented all the rate increases from you know yeah. 2008 to 2016. It was a few people that said we should raise rates and not keep rates low because why? The effects 
financial effects have long and variable lags. He said that thousands of times in the speeches of the Fed. And, and I love that phrase, long and variable lags. Something like this, we don't know the outcome. Uh, we're not going to see the effects of them switching to a currency today. All of a sudden, tomorrow, we're not going to see it. But in 10, 15, 20 years, what are those long and variable effects? It's another way of thinking of when I talk about second order, third order effects. It's the same thing. And this is that second, third order effect. When In, in 10 years, when nobody's using the dollar to trade oil, that puts us at a huge strategic disadvantage around the rest of the world. As you mentioned, our debt backed a lot by oil and gas. I'll, I'll tell you what, Michael, I think you're you're right in many ways, but I'm going to disagree with you, which you I think that makes the show kind of fun is that you're always smarter and better looking than I am. But I'm going to disagree with, you know, we, we get that feedback all the time. Uh, I'm the homely guy with a big hump, you know, for our podcast listeners. So when you sit back and take a look, this is really a problem. And it's not going to be 10 years, Michael, that we feel this. You alluded to it. It's going to be a year. We have lost the stage for uh, diplomacy in the world. And diplomacy is evolved around energy. Uh, we'll, we'll call it an even five years then. I don't think it's going to be a year. It may not be 10. Long and variable effects. I'm going to go short variable effects. <laughs> I'll see your long and variable and raise you a short and variable. Fair enough. Anyway. Fair enough. All right. No, that's all I got, dude. Back to you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll pop over to finance now, guys. S&P 500 dropped about 10th of a percentage point. NASDAQ about 15 or about uh, 10. I can't say my name today, guys. 15 uh, not 15 percentage point, point fifteen percentage points. That's on the NASDAQ. Really all over the place in terms of a trading day, guys. Specifically, when we move down to oil and gas. Oil, after the EIA drops their numbers, which we'll cover shortly, drops all the way to below $76 after opening right above $76.50, was up to $77. EIA news drops down to below 76 and then currently trading as we stand here about 525 um, central time, 77, 72, mainly again off the back of two things, that wild price swing. First off was the fact that the EIA crude oil inventory is coming out a 1.6 million barrel bill. We were expecting an 800,000 barrel draw. We got an eight, 1.6 million barrel build. So that tanked the markets. As I said, we were about 77, 71 when that news dropped at 9.30 a.m. Central time. Drove us all the way down below 76 to about 75.80. Then again, this as we get closer to this OPEC virtual meeting, which will be taking place today as you're listening to this, deeper cuts are coming, or at least that's what the market thinks. If you're reading Reuters, they would tell you that uh, you know oil rose more than $1 a barrel on Wednesday as investors focus their attention on an expectation of fresh supply cuts from OPEC and look past the jump in crude gasoline and dislike stockpiles. <laughs> Word salad. Point is, there is the sentiment out there that we believe that OPEC's <laughs> going to cut a little bit. How much are they going to cut? I don't know. How big of effect is it going to have? I don't know. It remains to be seen. Now, what interesting, Stu, we did see Brent oil jump today. That crack spread between crude oil and Brent has now increased. Crude oil down today. Brent oil was actually up about 1.6 percentage points. What does that tell you? It tells you that cuts could be incoming. That is a signal in my mind, at least when we're seeing the markets open right now. Because remember, Brent's open already for Thursday. Our Thursday markets just open 
as we record this, since we record this on Wednesday. So that spread tells me that difference of of Brent going up, crude oil staying the same. That means there's an expectation and there should be or people are sensing some cuts. So it'll be interesting to see what OPEC does decide. As always, we will cover it, um, but they'll be meeting virtually tomorrow. I thought this was interesting, Stu, just just before we go. Venezuela is currently preparing for a vote on border dispute with Guyana over oil-rich territory. This dropped late in the afternoon. We'll get this run on Newsbeat, but this is crazy, Stu. Guyana is 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 the discovery out there that, that, that could be doing upwards of 2 million barrels of oil a day once fully developed. Exxon, Chevron, Hess, all in on it. And now Venezuela wants to go to war with them. So the conflict between Venezuela and Guyana has been rekindled since international companies such as Exxon announced the exploitation of oil deposits in maritime areas that get this to have not yet been delineated between countries. How stupid can we be? You're talking here. And this is what boggles my mind. Exxon Mobil. They pay hundreds of millions of dollars a year to risk management people, to lawyers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah they yeah. didn't think to ask, well, is this in Guyana or Venezuela? Some or salesman, they just, some or salesman they just wanted the deal. Some salesman wanted the deal and just rushed the paperwork through. Or they're just saying, hey, there's there's, there's no way they're ever going to take this from us, so screw it. We're just going to, we'll drill it. And if, it, if, if Venezuela rules it's theirs, well, so be it. Which is hilarious considering Exxon and Chevron were two of the companies trying to help Venezuela produce oil. It, it, it's really interesting. Wow. You know, obviously, you know, the U.S. came out and said we support a diplomatic solution while the international court justice process continues. But get this, in Guyana, all defense cooperations and capable building activities are with U.S. military personnel. So we know where we're coming in. We know where we stand. Uh, yep. Scary stuff. Countries go I mean, to war. The fact over- that we don't know we, we were going to have a border dispute over one of the largest oil finds and probably one of the few things that could actually theoretically move world oil production. It's insane to me that we didn't think about. Um, I just said countries go to war over energy. Right. And they, they're trying to 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 confirm the legal validity and binding effect of the award relating the boundaries between the colony of British Guiana and the United States and Venezuela dated October 3rd, 1899. Sweet. So the agreement we're referencing was written on cowhide. Fun. <laughs> Fun. Or, I mean, Stu, you were around then, so maybe you could just uh, call back was, in your memory bank and, you know, it, you were, what, 55 around that time? Oh, no, I was uh, younger than that, but it was actually papyrus. Uh, when I came over on the raw uh, from Egypt, uh, it was actually then. So yeah, thank goodness Stu made it over on the Mayflower. We would have never had any of this. I went back on the Mayflower the first time. We so there and back. We got to love it. Anything else, Stu? I'm done for the day. Oh, no, it's just a wildly crazy news story. We got more coming. We got COP28 stories coming out. I'm hearing some wild rumblings around the world, dude. It's crazy. Uh, who's the interview people will hear? Uh, Friday. We, we got Friday. We drop in. What interview do we have? Uh, it's going to be George um, McMillan. Uh, we finally mm. have that one rolling. And I yes. mean, that's a two-hour mind-boggling uh, CIA world energy geo political oh hey don't don't you be doing me that way here you are i'm an old dog i finally get to talk to somebody that knows something and you're over there giving me this kind of flack for our podcast listeners he's holding his hands up going ooh, ooh, just like a little millennial oh my <laughs> gosh just kidding I am- 
you did good today, I, dude. Unfortunately, I am. But no, that'll be great. Saturday, we'll have the weekly recap. We'll take Sunday off, and then we will see you guys back in early Monday here in December. But uh, with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great weekend.